Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Garden Pepper Presents podcast. Today, my guest is Simon from Simon's Universe of Music. And um, holy crap, Simon, I just forgot your last name. Turner. Simon Turner <laughs> from Simon's <laughs> Universe of Music. And uh, we've met on Facebook. Uh, this is uh, Simon's first podcast, I think. Is that correct? It is. Yeah, it really is. Um, but he has been doing a YouTube channel, and then and that's kind of where I was, I was watching him because he's so excited when he when he does his reviews of different types of music. Now, Simon typically is into pop music, but I find him very exploratory in his music, actually. Pop being definitely the king of music for you. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. I would say all alternative and coming from 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, into the 90s being a teenager and uh, with the bands around at that time and the influences that I'm into uh, it's just like it's a huge can you open it up and you've got all these different things coming at you but of course you're in a time where the charts played a big part in what you're listening to you know and yeah, I suppose yeah. When I was like 13, 14 uh, in the 90s, when you've got the top 10 all being guitar bands, but also your parents have been listening to the Beatles, the Stones, the Who, the Kinks, and all of that. Right. So, uh, yeah. yeah so Pretty cool stuff. Of, like when you were coming up in the 90s, there was kind of a, a, a re-revolution in England. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but um, I think when it got out of the 90s, then I think America started having a real impact as well on the indie scene, especially in Britain, where you had the Strokes, you had the Yeah, Yeah, Yes, you had Kings of Leon, you had White Stripes and with Jack White. You know, I was listening to just as much as that. And not only that, I was going to see them bands being a young 20 year old lad in England uh, really had a huge impact on the magazines like the NME, like uh, MTV in this country. Uh, and I still listen to these bands like now, you know? So yeah. it's been a huge, what can you say, like 20 years of um, two countries having a huge impact on my life. Yeah, music's gone a lot of directions. Um, and yeah. it's, it's gotten difficult to kind of actually define it. You know, there's all these little rabbit hole definitions. Like it took me years of listening to Shoegaze before I even knew that that's what it was called. Yeah. It's like, well, why are they calling it that? Well, because they're always looking at their pedals, trying to figure out the next sound, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, back in the time where obviously, you know, people went out and bought CDs and I still do, right? But at the same time, uh, they were all, there wasn't a week that went by where you wasn't buying something. And it was just like, I think in that period of time as well, for me, um, that's made Simon's, sorry, that's made Simon's Universal Music sort of how it is today, because uh, I was going out and buying, buying the music, yeah. you know, I was going to the gigs and it was just like, 
I think what's created so much universal music is it's just like, so I spent all this money on all these, you know, CDs and records. I spent all this money on like, you know, getting on the phone, booking a ticket to go and see these bands. Yeah. And you just think like, um, I've got all this stuff, right, built up in my life. So how am I going to sell it? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll buy a computer uh, I'll get my little camera and I'll start talking about it and, and see what happens and if people like it. Yeah. So, so you've yeah. got, basically that's your university. <laughs> yes. You're absolutely. buying all your textbooks in the form of vinyl. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I've got, I've got vinyl. I'm actually wait, get a load of this. It's my birthday, the end of the month. And I've asked my mum and dad for a new record player and hopefully I'll get one. So because I've got so much of it, I just can't play it at the minute. Uh-huh. So... Oh, your, your, your record player went out? Yeah. Like, yeah, literally, I haven't had one for a couple of years, but, you know, because the needle snapped on it, and it was just, like, things change, and hey-ho. But uh, hopefully I'll have a new one at the end of the month, and it'd be happy oh, days. They're starting to make them again, you know? For a while, they weren't making them, and, like, if you wanted a needle, you had to find one. Yeah, so I know. Something. Crazy. I was yeah. actually talking to one of my old, um, one of my old closest friends earlier uh, this afternoon, and we was talking about this. And uh, the record player that I want is like a Sony. It's like the Sony PSH like five hundred or whatever it's called. Yeah, but it's yeah. Bluetooth, and oh. it's just like nice. Yeah, it's just you like um, on and hook it up to your house if you have like. If you had like uh, what's what's that one that uh, Neil Young puts out his system? I want one of those. Oh yeah, I bet. can imagine that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's got a sound system that's I believe it's Wi-Fi, but it's it's at a really? different frequency. It's it's like supposed to be just amazing. Can oh, you know? I'll have to have a look. I'm sure it's yeah. pretty excellent. Yeah. Check it out, Neil Young sound system. It's out there somewhere. Oh, um, cool. so uh, Simon, tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, uh, where'd you grow up? Well, I was born in Lincoln, right? Uh, and when I was about two, uh, we moved to uh, Winstable. No, we moved to uh, Wyndham, which is in Norfolk, Norwich, England, right? Uh -huh. uh, and then from there, we moved down to Winstable in Kent and lived there on the coast for like five years, all through my dad's work, really. Yeah. He worked in business and sales, and uh, he's a salesman. So we moved a lot when I was a kid through my dad's work. Uh -huh. So from living in Winstable, we moved to Bromsgrove, which is south of Birmingham, uh, England, and between Worcester, right? So pretty much in the middle of England, uh -huh. right? Yeah. And I've lived there. I lived there for... 30 years, I moved there when I was nine, and I moved, I've moved up north two years ago. So, yeah, I've been around, been around the country. Yeah, yeah, sounds yeah. like so on the coast and out in the middle. Yeah. Cultures change quite a bit, uh, just between cities. Big time. It really, really has. Isn't that I amazing? Mean, yeah, I, I mean, for the 30 years that I lived, in the Midlands, right, just outside Birmingham. I mean, Birmingham's second second biggest city in England, right? 
and yeah. I lived around the corner from Bromsgrove train station. So you're I spent, hustle. yeah. So I did w- come out my house, walk around the corner, 20 minutes on the train to get into Birmingham city center. Right. And I'm really lucky about that, Gary, because with having that, that's what gave me the freedom to go and see all the bands that I've been to see. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really England. lucky. All the bands go to England. Yeah, absolutely. Always got great shows. I mean, London and Birmingham, I imagine you got great shows. And then they go up to Glasgow yeah. and play up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all through my 20s, uh, I mean, yeah, I have been to London to see gigs, you know, and that's absolutely amazing, you know, and I love that city so much. And I love that city so much, really, because that's where my mum's from and that's where my grandmother's from. So, yeah. Uh, my mum's side all Londoners and my dad's pretty much from the out, uh, outskirts of London. So uh, it plays a huge part in my heart, that city, and I love everything about it. But uh, also uh, with going into Birmingham for like 10 years or so with gigs, nights out, friendships, uh, you know, chaos, shopping. Yeah. Uh, pretty amazing. So, so then you, yeah. you moved from Birmingham out into. I've moved from uh, outside Birmingham up to Gateshead now, which is in the north of England, pretty much next to Newcastle. So, so you're yeah you're up there now, kind of isolated. Yeah, we are, and obviously Boris is going to come on the news later and say he's a bit about more lockdown. So. Mm. yeah we'll see what happens with that yeah apparently they found a new strain didn't they yeah i mean the amount of people that i speak to and i suppose through the universe through my own friends and through my family and how everyone's spread out everyone's just really had enough now everyone just really wants to you know get this vaccine and move forward and uh you know, get the world back to how it, how it should be. You know, in Alaska, they have a, a term called cabin fever. Right. Because they have, you know, like almost eight months of just cold, getting dark and being dark and, yeah. and cold still. And yeah. At, at a certain point, there's a layer of crazy that happens because of it, that, that people start doing some weird, weird stuff and like, weird murders, sure. all kinds of creepy stuff happens. Yeah. And towards the end of cabin fever. And I, I, I kind of feel like that's where we're at in, in the whole world right now. It's like, everybody's just tired of this. They're tired of being locked down, tired of not being able to see their friends, tired of not being able to see shows. Yeah. You know, tired of not being able to go out and eat. And absolutely you know, just even hanging out with friends. It's, it's a distance. Yeah. It's, it's not as close as it was. Yeah. I mean, for for myself and I can like say for Susanna. Susanna is from the Czech the Czech Republic, right? She's been mm-hmm. in England for uh, like twenty years or so, right? We planned last year to go and see like her, her grandmother, and her mum and dad and her family, right? Yeah. And obviously, you know, mine are obviously you know down south in the Midlands and that, and my grandmother, yeah. Yeah, and there's been times I can assure you we've been it's been 
upsetting, angry. Uh, you just think like all the emotions go, you just think, oh yeah, well, it would be okay. And you move on, right? Right. But at the same time, when you can't see these people, God, it hurts, you know, it really yeah. does. Yeah, I haven't seen my mom in oh, about eight months. She lives in New Mexico, which is, right. you know, probably a thousand, maybe 2000 miles away. I don't know. It's a long ways away. It's a plane. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I've been able to see her, you know, and I have all the time now because I lost my job in May. So I have the time I could have driven down there, but right. you know, I can't go down there because there's COVID between here and there. And I didn't want to give sure. her. And then of course, yeah. two weeks ago, she calls up and tells me she has it. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit, that scared me to death. I literally, that yeah. me out. Yeah, that, that would, can we swear on here? <laughs> can we swear? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Well, I'd be really fucking upset. Yeah. Oh, it, 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 it layered me, man. I, I, uh, I went deep, you know, I, 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 I yeah. cried. I was, I was really. Yeah, sad. man. I totally oh, get yeah. it. I totally yeah. get it because, um, I mean, like moving up to the Northeast to be with Susanna, right? Because where we got together, we met online and I'm not afraid to say that, right? So, we were traveling backwards and forwards to see each other. Okay. She was driving down to obviously Bromsgrove to see us. And obviously I was getting a train to go up to see, uh, see Susanna. Right. Mm-hmm. There's like four and a half hours difference between where we both used to live, but we kept it going and we love each other. And, you know, it's the best thing I've done. Right. But it's just like, um, Oh, you know, I'm glad I made the decisions that I did, but it's just with the whole shite that's going on. And sometimes you get frustrated with people because some people just think, oh, I don't care. I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm not going to do this and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's so frustrating because, like, you know, if everyone does, we'll get out of it and everything will be all right. Right. We would have been done with this a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Had we had we approached it the right way, but we don't know how to do this. We hadn't we hadn't really talked about it as a society or as people. You know, the last big deal was the Spanish flu. Um, yeah, we had rested on our laurels, thinking you know, flus are once in a hundred years kind of thing. Um, yeah, but that was a less connected world back then. Sure, I mean the fact that this thing spread around the world so quickly. Yeah, the real the real thing that we need to think about and how how do we structure our societies in such a way that if this happens, we can still kind of continue at some level of productivity and and it and it's some level of community. That's the hardest thing has been this kind of inability to connect with community. I mean, electronically, a lot of people are doing this. They're zooming, you know. Sure. But, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I spoke to one of my old school friends the other week and we were saying, is it down to it's with the scientists and it and like and obviously the politicians can only say what they say, but uh I mean it's just it's just bunkers. But at the same time, it's given people like yourself and me opportunities to create something and move forward and you know think right i'm gonna do this 
Yeah. And that was something that was interesting. I was reading uh, Andrew Yang's book. Have you read his, his thing or? No, I haven't. So his idea is that if you give everybody a thousand dollars a month, um, just, just the, so that they have a thousand dollars a month, that that yeah. would go into things like it would give people the time to do creative things. Sure. And, and I think we're starting to see that, um, you know, with people who are on unemployment and they just like, well, shit, I can't really yeah. run the markets to keep me alive. I need yeah. to assess what my, what my skills and abilities are, what my passions are. And I'm yeah. going to work from there. And I'm going yeah. to send that out and see if that doesn't work. Now, meanwhile, I'm still looking for work, but, you know, really hoping that this takes off. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I mean, yeah, when I, when I was thinking of like, you know, what, what I need to do something. I've just got to, I, I've got to do something because I can't just sit. At, Susanna's working at home, right? Because yeah. uh, she's be obviously she can't go to the office and that. So yeah. I'm like, I need to do, I need to do something. I need to do something. So uh, what should I do? Well, music's my probably my main hobby. I'm not a musician, right? But I've got some, I've got, I've got stories to tell and I've got opinions. Yeah. So with the stories I've got and the opinions that I've got, uh, I'm going to start writing down my notes on, on information. Uh, if, if it's on, let's say I've just done Liam's video. And I mean, I know about Liam Gallagher and it says it in my video. And, you know, he's one of my favorite rock stars of all time. Right. So I'm going to write down all my notes about Liam uh, and we'll set the camera up and away we go. So and like with all my videos that I've done, it's pretty much, you know, you, you have like two or three days where, you know, I'll go through all the album sleeves. I'll listen to the words of the songs, you know. You'll go on like uh, the internet and you'll read about people and, you know, I'll put my own words in and it's just like, um, yeah, I really want it to take off. I want lots of people to watch it. I want lots of people to subscribe uh, because I think for the music fan that I am, I think I've got a bit to say, say on, on things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so are you, uh, building a format are you uh thinking in terms of yourself as like a kind of a video magazine for music yeah and that's a pretty amazing thing to say gary because uh earlier last year you had like q magazine go pop right uh -huh. and it was a magazine that i absolutely truly loved i used to buy it i would love reading the articles in it and i think you know it was a really, I mean, I'm sure they sell it in different places around the world, right? But it's a British like magazine. And, right. um, but they talk to everyone. And I just think with things like that not around anymore, if they've got, if there's something like what I have, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, people would want to listen to me about obviously uh, music and and do interview i want to go into interviewing people yeah um new bands new people starting out 
if I'm lucky enough, I mean, if I was lucky enough to speak to people that I idolize and really love, that is the dream. You'll get there. You'll get there through, you know, um, if you decide to do interviews, which I think is a great idea. Yeah. Um, I bet you there are just hundreds, if not thousands of young bands just coming around, you know, where you where you live and you could do the Zoom thing. Yeah, any- yeah, absolutely. If you see a band, you know, post something that you like, just reach yeah. out to those people and say, hey, I like your thing. Do you want to do this? You want to do this right here? Well, I can, I can honestly say for... The people that I've been talking to since I started at my universe channel, uh, everyone that I've spoke to pretty much through Facebook, it's just like, started this up, uh, I like what you've got, or can you have a look at my channel sort of thing? And obviously, if they're in a band, then uh, I'll do you an interview sort of thing. And everyone has said like, yes, 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 we'll do that. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, you could really get a lot of headway that way because you know every time you interview a band member, you you may get if if that person has you know say a medium following, you may get 20, 30 listeners. But yeah, then, out of that, you may end up with one that starts to follow you. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it's just a numbers game. You just got to keep doing it. Um, I could probably get you in touch with Michael Davies if you want to do a little interview with him. He's a he's a London kid. I think I shared a video of his with you. Yeah, he was yeah, I think you he did. Was, they, they were kind of opening for the Happy Mondays for a while. Oh, uh, yeah. I actually listened to uh, his interview with you the other day, and it's just yeah. really good. I, you know, really interesting. And that's the sort life, of people right? that I want to talk to. Yeah, you could talk to Mike. I, I could probably hook you guys, work you guys together. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, really appreciate fun, right? that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and then in time, if, if I ever get somebody who's really big, you know, and, and, and you build your numbers up, then I'll, I'll, I'll flip them your way, too. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I was, talking to, um, I was talking to a lad this morning called Ryan. He's got his own band and that, right? Yeah. And uh, we got mates, and he sent me a T-shirt and his CD this morning through the post. And it was just like, you know what, for all the shit that's going on in the world, it's brought people together, you know, it's going to give people opportunities and uh, stuff like that. It's really awesome. So, well, what happened? My camera's just gone. (laughs) Fucking hell, Carnage. That backdrop, this looks absolutely surreal. I love it. Oh, yeah, thanks. Hang on a second. You're in outer space. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it is my first one. Uh, yeah, well, it's it's good. So, like, all I'm doing is Zoom. Yeah. And uh, and you can do the Zoom. And then I, I do some post afterwards to make it not just a Zoom meeting. And, of course, you floating around is going to make it better than any Zoom meeting. So. Oh, well, absolutely. You know, you've got to have a bit of fun along along the road. That's right. That's right. So did you have any brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have a brother. He's like four years younger than us. He's married and he's got two little boys. And my sister's married uh, and she's got two little boys. My sister lives in Dudley, uh, which is 
I mean, I do know geography, but when you go to think of the map, it is near Birmingham. So yeah. it's like, um, oh, it's near like Wolverhampton and it's near like West, West Birmingham. So, and if anyone's listening to this from that part of the country, they'd be like, she's I've lost my count. Hang on. <laughs> camera ladies and gentlemen we'll be right yeah. back with diamond turner's universe of music and uh what? so we're talking about birmingham and uh just kind of the little differences in england uh we're talking about his sister and uh she lives i'll just be with you in a second birmingham uh i'm having a I'm not. time here with simon it's uh it's a blast we are uh Podcasting today, or podcasting uh, from enough now. Uh, Simon started his podcast, his video channel and YouTube channel for Simon's Universal Music. Uh, just put it on the side there, and uh, we're trying to build this up for him. So he's he's a true enthusiast, and so if any of uh, my musician friends would like to uh, do a little interview with uh, Simon, Simon Turner's Universal Music, uh, get in touch with me, and we'll. Uh, We'll get uh, we'll get Simon off the ground with his uh, with his show and and maybe y'all can get some uh, you know some notoriety across the pond as they say they call it the pond but it's they really do. they do yeah it's really a, an ocean um, it's a diminutive ocean when you consider the ocean that I live next to which is the Pacific Ocean which is yeah you can't see across the Pacific Ocean like you can you can see England from New York. Seriously? <laughs> if you're Sarah Palin. Uh, so. Um, <laughs> can you see me? Can you see me now? I see you now, Simon. Yeah, you look good, man. Right. Oh, cheers. So do you, bruv. <laughs> so what were you doing before you uh, you you started doing this here? You, you, you said you got furloughed. So the whole company yeah. laid off. Well, I've been a chef since I was like uh, 19 years of age, right? So I left school. I didn't know really what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, everyone, I'm sure, when they're like a 16-year-old kid says hope and dreams, or if you, you know, well, unless you actually know what you're going to do, like go to university or something, right? right. But uh, I'm dyslexic, okay? Yeah. So... Schooling really wasn't the best for us. Tough. I struggled. You know, it was it was it was tough. Yeah, it is. And I was thinking about going to college, but I don't think it. I mean, I I'd had enough at school, so I didn't really want to do any more studying. Right. I just thought I've got to think about actually what I want to do. So. Um, you get in touch with like careers people like through the job center. And I said, obviously I've left school, uh, but I don't know really what I want to do. Can you help me sort mm -hmm. of thing? So luckily enough, they did. They got me into the Hilton uh, hotel in Bromsgrove. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So started off as like a conference porter where you're looking after people with their meetings and helping setting up the weddings and all that kind of stuff. So right. I've done that for about a year. Yeah. Uh, 
and I got Pally with uh, the head chef that was at the Hilton in Bromsgrove. So I was only like a 16-year-old kid. I needed a bit of guidance, right? I've made friends with the head chef, and he's gone to the general manager, and he's just like, I want to offer Simon an apprenticeship. So he's just like, I'm going to offer you this, but it's going to be really bloody hard work. You know, and this is, but this trade will keep you going through your life, right? Yep. Everybody eat. Yeah, everybody needs to eat. And it's like, no matter in the world, right? I can guarantee you'll always have a job, okay? Until obviously 2020. So, uh, yeah, it's true. Yeah. So I got stuck in. Obviously, you're doing all the hours and learning all the sections and, you know, uh, dealing with all the stress that comes with with working in a kitchen, right? But uh, because I had the bus or the buses of the hotel um, supporting us and wanting me to succeed, within the first 12 months I'd been a chef, an apprentice chef in that kitchen, I was employer of the year in that hotel, which is out of like 200 staff and I've absolutely smashed it. Right. So I'm like, fucking get in. So that was pretty awesome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I worked for the Hilton for like six years and then there was a little hotel uh, built by where I used to live, but near my mum and dad. I worked there for six years. Then I went to the holiday Inn, uh, chefing, but when I was chefing then, I was the breakfast chef, right? So, which is pretty good because it gave me the opportunities to go in at five o'clock in the morning, right? Yeah. Doing my bit to like two o'clock in the afternoon, have a few beers when you finish work, go home, get change, get the train into Birmingham and go and see obviously a band or whatever, you know, and, and go back and do it the next day. So for doing them shifts, uh, at starting at five o'clock in the morning, gave me every night off so I could go out on the town and have a good time. But uh, yeah, and that's obviously helped to get my channel where it is today. So yeah, I'm still chefing now uh, for a pub in Newcastle when it all opens up again. And uh, I think I will always do it because it's a trade I've always done since I was obviously... You know, that age, it's all I've ever known. And it's just always kept me in work. And as much as how crap it can be or whatever, you know, it's it's income coming in. And that's so important. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, So what's what kind of what kind of food do you really love? What's your favorite to cook? God, you know what? I suppose it's just like whenever you meet someone new, they're always get you know that's always going to be the question. Favorite. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty standard. Like, um, I suppose everybody likes a nice Sunday lunch. Yeah, yeah. With nice bit of meat, your potatoes, your veggies, uh, and yeah, having some nice food, watching the telly. Maybe something nice for dessert afterwards, like apple pie or chocolate cake or something like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's the sort of thing thing I like. Just simple, standard, easy. And I think the thing about being a chef, like I've always been told, like if you can do the basics, you know, then hey, you, you can take it anywhere. You know, I love watching. Obviously, I love Gordon. I love Marco. But um, what I will say to you, Gary, is when I first started my channel, right, there was an episode, there was a series, sorry, there was a series of Rick Stein, right? The uh, chef from Dan Cornwall Way. Yeah. And um, he was on tour in Mexico, right? He yeah. was like, uh, it's uh, LA side, isn't it? LA down to Mexico. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he started in LA and he's worked his way into Mexico, but it was all on Mexico food and the restaurants in LA and he was going through all kind of that. Yeah. And Rick Stein gave me the enthusiasm of doing my Universal Channel because when he was talking on camera, right, when he's talking yeah. about a Pacific dish or a place, or people that created something, he was right on the mark of telling his audience um, to the fact of like, you know, this is it. This is this is honestly true. But he presented himself so well with the way that he had that program, and that made me do my universe channel because he was so brilliant in the way that he was talking about places and stuff i was just like well i'm i'm gonna do that with music so and that will always be the thing that i look to the most of watching a guy like him you know talk about something because i with my channel i always want to give people the absolute 100 percent facts on a rock star or a guitarist or a singer or a gig or a venue or anything, mm -hmm. you know, I want to give people the absolute truth about something so special and important and incredible uh, in the universe, let's say, pun. But uh, yeah. So I'm, you know, I love food shows. I love watching food shows. Uh, my, my current favorites are, are, are David Chang and, um, other Korean, I don't think he's actually Korean. I think he might be Vietnamese. Um, yeah, but anyway, they they what what it is is the cultural aspects of food that I am really interested in, and that's what really just impressed me with Bourdain. Um, yeah, because it was really more of a cultural experience walking in the world with him. Like, yeah, so well written. Yeah. And he, he knew the story of the place he was going to and he would tell it so well. Yeah. And that's been my challenge is, you know, I've got this kind of free form style that I do. Yeah. But I also want to be able to write it up well. And I'm, I'm having a real hard time writing it all up. I'm starting a blog for that. Right. Yeah. And um, I'm just recognizing what a weak link my writing skills are in this whole process. Sure. Um, I have dyslexia as well and, yeah. and I read all the time, but I don't, you know, yeah. 
I don't read as fast as others. No, I, uh, when I was a kid, I reckon I must have been about 11, 12. My mum and dad sent me to a private tutor like one day a week, right? Only for an hour. I think it cost about 10 quid, right? And he went through uh, maths and English, right? Mm-hmm. Maths, I really struck, maths, really bad. I mean, doing my notes for my channel has really helped me a lot because obviously you carry on writing, my handwriting not be the best, but I know what I'm doing. Well, I like to think I know what I'm doing. Uh, but the one thing that he said to us when I was a kid, yeah, if you can do a bit of reading every day, then that will really help you. And you know what, Gary? I do read every day. If it's just reading football stuff on my phone, reading about, you know, a music article or, you know, going on the internet and, and, and finding something out, you know? Yeah. Uh, it really, I don't buy a lot of books, but I'd say I do read every day. It's so important. It's, it's, it's really good. And yeah, I'm not reading to anyone else. I'm just reading myself. And don't get me wrong. If I had to read something out, I'm probably going to struggle because like, it's going to be words. that obviously I just can't say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's uh, like, obviously, you know, uh, depends what the sentence is or, or what, what it's about. It's but um yeah yeah so uh i i've been practicing reading out loud lately right because i feel like that's a good skill to have yeah definitely especially being in the broadcasting world or podcast yeah world. yeah yeah you know i need to harness the ability to read out loud well and i don't read on my podcast much um but i i do think that if i scripted things out a little more tightly like before i yeah. introduce my shows and such i th i think it would be a better uh hook yeah you know if i if i if i could learn how to write a good hook i guess that's what i'm trying to do um and and a hook is not the right word because i don't want to trick anybody into being in the show i do want to entice them to sure uh, absolutely yeah i mean i get that i mean for uh, today, for example, it's just like, you know what? I wanted to uh, do my absolute best for on this. Yeah. And, uh, you know what? I wanted to make sure I come across as in, like, uh, myself. And yeah. it's just like, um, I, I mean, I'm not big-headed and I'm not arrogant, but... You know, there's. I think I'm a really decent, you know, likable kind of guy. Yeah, you seem to be. Yeah, you know, the oh, camera falls oh. down and all havoc becomes loose. And um, you know, I'm pretty proud of how I've been brought up and and where I come from. You know, I've been very very lucky. But yeah, uh, yeah I just think like. Um, it's great to meet people and have a conversation like this. But I think what I'm getting at is I've worked in hospitality all my life. Yeah. And when you have to come across to speak to a customer, you know, yeah. the way that I've worked in that environment 
has certainly helped me a lot, especially when we have conversations like this, because you're dealing with the public every day. Yeah. And uh, that's an amazing skill to have, you know? Yes, it is an amazing. I'm really proud of that. I'm surprised at the amount of people who really have challenges socially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like they don't get along with others well, or they don't like being around others. Um, Sure. I, I've never had, well, there have been people I've not liked to be around, but in general, uh, with yeah. people, I've always been able to get along pretty well. Uh, yeah. And, that, you know, that's been my profession. My profession was a uh, corporate trainer. Um, yeah. For the Oregon Lottery. Yeah. And I did that for 20 some years before they, you know, they cut 60 jobs in one day. And yeah. Yeah. Because they're part of the restaurant industry, too, like all of our machines. Right. Okay. Restaurants. So we were yes. 20 million a week. Crikey. Yeah. So they're like, well, we got to, we got to shed some weight here. And uh, yeah, that was a little heavy, you know. Well, hopefully, obviously America have got a new president now and uh, hopefully, you know, things, things can, can work out. What do you, what's your opinion on that? Uh, <laughs> well, I, you know, I, uh, I used to be way into it. I used to like be way into the political thing. And, yeah. And I, I'm a Bernie guy. I love Bernie. Right. But I've kind of lost faith in it all at some level. Yeah. Um, I, I recognize the necessity of it. Um, yeah. I'm not a real Biden fan. No. You know, he's he's voted for the banks every time. Yeah, Delaware, and sure, that's it's a banking state, and yeah. So his allegiances, you know, neither none of them are doing anything. um, No, that I feel like is visionary, and and thinking in terms of what we can do with the technology we have and how we can integrate that societally and create an amazing world. Um, nobody's thinking in those terms. We're thinking in kind of the 1950s think where the only real industry that they can think of is, is military. And it's just, I don't know. It's, it's absurd to me. And, and I've tried to stay away from politics on this show because. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. Um, but I yeah. think it does go there because it is, it's, it's intriguing at some level. It is. It's, um, it's, I suppose the way the world is like today and with us relying on these people so much to make the right decisions, you know, I just think we spend half our time laughing at them and taking the mick out of them. But deep down, we always want them to do well, you know, That's and I just think. Right. Is to have people who <laughs> truly care about like the situation and take care of it. Yeah. Uh, it, I don't know that it's. A lot of times there's systems that dictate the way things are. And, and yeah, and what we have now are systems in place where if you have huge amounts of influence, i.e. capital, you are the system. Sure. You know, if you're going to influence the system financially, you become the system. And yeah. so, I mean, this experiment in democracy, representative uh, republic, really, is 
being challenged. It's the whole idea of it is being challenged at many levels. Yeah. Even the core element, the vote itself is being challenged. And so, yeah, we need, we need, uh, we need better ways of talking and thinking about all of these things uh, and, and better systems for dealing yeah. with all of these things. Well, I've never been to the United States, but it's certainly on my list of countries that I really want to see. My mum and dad, they've gone quite a lot and they've done the cities, but the thing that really appeals to them is getting out of the cities and going into the beyond, let's say, to see the real what goes on in that country. And of course, we get all the TV programmes where you have like people go out and and show you what that country is like yeah but uh i think i'm becoming at a right age now where you know what i will definitely definitely 100 percent be getting on an airplane to see the united states and definitely places like i can imagine the first place on the list well okay i'm gonna say a couple of things here right you're first I want to go to New York, right? I want to see yeah. New York City, right? And and see places in, in there. But Susanna really wants to go to Mexico. So, and with us going to Mexico, uh, which is definitely going to happen, yeah. I think we will start from the LA side in America. If you go for like two and a half weeks holiday, start from like LA, that sort of area. Yeah. get a plane down to Mexico uh, somewhere. I don't know where. And then obviously from Mexico, fly home. So so when we can get working again and we can earn some money, that's what we'll be saving up to do. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. yeah. I think Mex- I've been to Tijuana back in the day. You didn't have to have a passport or anything. Um, yeah. I haven't been too far down to Mexico. I've been, lived in San Diego and then, you know, yeah. Northern California and Oregon, Utah, yeah. North Carolina. So yeah. about, um, and you, it's probably the same there is like you get out into the rural areas and it is a lot more um, Trump people, but sure. as long as you're not talking politics, they're freaking awesome. They're great people. They're just, you know, salt of the earth. They call it, you know, just good. Folks. Yeah. Um, he- and and then that is the divide though the rural city divide is the is the divide of the vote for the most part yeah and it, it i don't know what that is about i kind of i kind of do kind of don't um, yeah it's interesting it costs a lot more to keep a rural area up yeah than it does to keep a city up well okay. i can definitely t- I can definitely tell you something else, and this is on my bucket list of really what I want to do. You'll love this. I love watching the WWE, right? And I really want to go to WrestleMania. And that's yeah. if I can never do anything in my life, I want to come to America yeah. and I want to go oh, to WrestleMania, man. Yeah. No, that is that would be so fun. I you know, I went to a one when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I think Jimmy Snooker was in it. Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, and uh, the other Samoan, the Samoan guy, I forget his name, the other Samoan guy, 
Um, oh, there's a few of them. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was so obvious. That it's, I think it's the greatest show on the planet, and I love it. Well, they're still getting hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I watch it all the time. I watch Raw. I watch SmackDown. I watch the pay-per-views. I've got the network, you know. Yeah. I think uh, I think it's the greatest show on earth. And me and my mate Jason, who I used to go to school with, we absolutely love it. In fact, even watch- when it's come to England, I've been to see it live as well. Have you watched Glow on Netflix? No. Oh my God, it's so good. I don't know if it's still on there, but it's um, it's the glorious women, glorious ladies of wrestling. All right, okay. And it's a series about the the gorgeous ladies of wrestling that happened in the seventies. Yeah. And it's actually, you know, it's a dramatic, it's a you know dramatic tale of that. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a woman wrestling movie, and it's awesome. Mark Marin, the comedian. Oh, okay. I'll have to check it he, out. He plays the uh, he plays the manager, or no, director, the film director of of the Gorgeous Ladies of, of Wrestling show, and yeah, uh, it's 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 awesome. It's a great show. Whenever I, when I've put on my phone today, right, everybody seems to be watching the Cobra Kai. On Netflix of Love. Oh my us. God. It is so bad and so good. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Every fuck is watching it. it. <laughs> oh, they just, they get the kitsch so right. They get the 80s badness so right. Really? It, it is, yeah. And they, they, they built a backstory on these characters. Yeah. And, uh, it was interesting because I'm looking, I'm watching this and I'm going, this whole series had to be written by the equivalent of star trek nerds yeah but for karate kid yeah and and so i'm watching because they the the depth to which everything went they bring back every almost every character that's in the originals come back yeah different scenes yeah yeah see i want to watch it man i really want to watch it and it's it's just like I, 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 I can't wait. It. I binged it. I was just like, holy crap. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it for me was just because it's um, the 80s. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of what they're talking about. It's all stuff that I culturally understood. Yeah. Um, and, and I didn't realize just how much Karate Kid was uh, an iconic thing. I watched the first movie the other day. It was on TV. And you know what? Even now, even now, that is an absolute classic movie. You know, yeah. Mr. Miyagi is going like, do the best, what the God, do this, do oh. that. It's absolutely, it's absolutely brilliant, mate. I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, it, it goes. Daniel seems a little bitch. He seems like a little bitch. Yeah. And he gets his ass kicked. But Mr. Miyagi, he just knows. He just, he's just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's excellent storytelling and they yeah. have a lot of fun with it. So season two, episode eight, I think um, <laughs> there's this dream sequence that's pretty much every cliche 1980s studio 50 kind of commercial dance yeah. thing ever. And it's this conglomeration. It is just the most hilarious intro yeah, Joe, I've ever seen. 
I was just dying. It's hilarious. I think over the next like four to five years, everything, TV programs, movies, everything's going to blow up big time because like obviously with everyone, people not filming at the minute, they've got all these films backed up and like, you know, all these plans for these TV shows when everything can start filming and like people can start going to the cinema again, it's going to go absolutely bonkers. It's going to be so hard to keep up. Well, and you were talking about earlier this creative space. Now, people who have already created a creative world, yeah, and are and are not starting out fresh like you and I, yeah, those people are forced into a deeper state of kind of chill. Sure. And, and I think for a creative person, at least for me, there's a tension that's building when that. Yeah. Happens. And you must create. Yeah. yeah. It's like writers must write, musicians must make music. I had a conversation this morning. Yeah. I think this space will actually be a, a great benefit to society. Definitely. The lad I was talking about earlier, Ryan, when uh, he's a musician, right? And he's got his band and obviously, you know, he's like, well, we can't do nothing. We can't do nothing. And I'm just like, you can, man, because what you got to do just keep writing and keep playing and keep playing and to the point where, you know what, get good at your instrument. And this is something that I would say on my channel to, uh, to people. If everyone keeps practicing in this period of time now, their instruments and keep writing, you know what, by the time you can get out to see people, they'll absolutely smash it and it will be better than ever because you know what, somebody went, would have learned them chords and they would have got faster and they would have got better and it's just like um you know the lyrics could be amazing you know it this really could you know everyone's a bit like oh bloody hell at the minute you know but uh if people push their chests out and think right you know what I'm going to do this. And the time that I can get out to see people, yeah, I want this tune or I want this to be the best ever because that's how people are going to think. And you know what? If people think like that, I think the world is going in a good place. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the space has been good for me. I've, I've developed a lot of skills I hadn't had before. I've, you know, created a little intro through GarageBand. I've put together videos. I've started yeah. a, a web page. Um, yeah. So I'm doing things that I've never done before, and that's good. It's a creative push, and it's helping me gain more skills and abilities, and you know, making it so I'm better able to express what I want to express. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I suppose. No one would ever have thought, right, like uh, having this time at home where you can't do anything. But uh, here I am, you know, talking to a friend in America, right, yeah. about yeah. obviously uh, stuff that is not too different to each other. And, you know, the opportunities it has to make new friends, have opportunities and also progress and learn most importantly, learn yeah. about other parts of the world and with other people. 
yeah. it's fascinating stuff and i love it so much so that it, it's beautiful that is my my goal is is to open up as many conversations with as many people around the world as possible so that we all yeah. actually start to see what you just said and that is that we really are quite similar yeah uh, absolutely yeah you know i think like uh hey you know what if you live down the road yeah you know what and you had a couple of quid in your pocket you could quite easily say do you want to go for a beer you know and you'd have an absolute brilliant night and you'd want to do it again and again mm-hmm. and it's just like and that's that's amazing you know how uh you can make friends and have conversations, but most importantly as well, have a laugh, especially have a laugh at me when I can't put my fucking camera properly. <laughs> We're leaving that in, by the way. That's, yeah, that's, that's fine. That's super real. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely fine. People well, are probably think, oh, real, fuck, who's this dickhead? Can't even work a fucking camera. <laughs> got big storms in England. Yeah. <laughs> wind came through, blew them over. It's so like carry on, isn't it? Hang on, just got to get the camera right. Oh, fuck you now. <laughs> well, I thought about that. I'm like, well, I wonder if he wants me to leave that. I'm leaving that in. Yeah, yeah, leave it in. <laughs> I, I start doing a little narration over it. Well, over here with Simon. I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. You couldn't have it any better, could you really? No, it's, that's the thing is, is, um, I'm listening to Tim Ferriss. He does the podcast thing also, but he's yeah, he's pretty high high scale up there. He's he's big in the game. Yeah, uh, but one of the things he he said is he really wanted to do something where like when he did it, he was done. So he really does minimal editing. Same with sure. they, they all of them do very minimal minimal editing. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> luckily enough, all my all the videos that I've put out on the channel, Susanna's done all the editing. And I mean, like, you know, between the two of us, I mean, I take my hat off to Susanna. I think she's done an absolute brilliant job, you know, and there's been nights that, you know, we've been up to like half past 12, you know, and she's worked, she's been tired, you know, and she's put these videos together. Wow. I mean, you know what? Uh, very lucky off. to, very lucky. hat off, but my hair looks Yeah, nice. yeah, absolutely. Hats off. She did. <laughs> she she deserves it man you know just gotta keep Susanna happy and everything's good <laughs> yeah. that's cool I mean that's great that you got that that she's she likes yeah it. yeah yeah I mean I can honestly say like obviously I've we've all got a past and it's just like I was in a long-term relationship for about 10 years and it wasn't right you know, and you walk away and it's painful and it wasn't really cool, you know, but at the same time, these things happen. You meet new people and when you're really down and you think that's it, mm-hmm. you can never think like that. And there was times where I can honestly say, you know, the ship was going down and it was really hard to pull yourself back because you really got into a bit of a pickle, you know? Mm-hmm. Tough, man. But, hey, there's always something around the corner. You move up to the north of England. You make a YouTube channel, <laughs> you know? Try to use a yeah. camera and away, and that's it. 
So how long have you been up north now? Uh, been two years in May. Yeah, two years in May. And slower lifestyle, everything's a little more chill. Yeah, I mean, I tell you what, it's a real eye-opener because I, I think I've learned, Gary, that people have this perception of, like, what they think of people up north. And it's very hard-working. People are very, very proud of what this area and where they come from. Uh, they are in their own sort of bubble where they everyone just has their thing. I suppose it's like everywhere in the world. Every, they have their own thing going on, but deep down they're quite away from everybody else, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, I think it's not the sort of place where a lot of people come and visit, but people do, but people know that people are very proud of people living here. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do know what you mean. It, so what, what happens is, you know, when, when you're in a, a smaller community, that becomes the whole world. Yeah. You know, and that's an insular reality and it's a reality that happens everywhere. And so then you start to think that the rest of the world is, is not the same. When yeah. In, when in fact, we all really are. Everybody's pretty much the same everywhere. Absolutely. And, but, but the work defines us, different work. So if you're doing intellectual work as opposed to doing, you know, physical labor. Yeah. Know, managing a ranch or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, pounding steel. Yeah, you're going to have a different outlook on life and you're going to have people around you who have a similar outlook. Absolutely. Um, and so that that's just human nature. It's tribalism. And it's what we do to keep ourselves feeling safe and and, and in a place of knowing, you know, people like to be in a place where they know everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh I'm really proud of having opportunities like that to of this to have conversations like this because um I think like obviously with having the interest of music and the beliefs of like you know uh who you idolize especially you know the fab four from uh Liverpool let's say yeah. right yeah and um I'm not really a religious guy, but I have like beliefs in my mind of how people like them still have an impact on the world, especially John of, so what do you believe in? Well, I believe in love for absolutely everything in the world. I mean, and what love has given to me, it's changed my life completely to move up here with Susanna. Yeah. Right. Uh, but uh, with the songs and the lyrics and that, it's just like, you know what? Maybe that's a sort of thing where it's not religion, but it's just it gets in your soul. Yeah. You know, 
yeah. it's just in your mind and the right. way that they've made people believe in something of how your mind works to have joy fun laughter mm -hmm. and love you can't get better than that no that's it there are there are times when i've been watching eddie vetter where i think my god the guy's a fucking shaman yeah he's like a magician he's just like so powerful yeah he's like fuck i know yeah and you know and then there's been i've had more spiritual experiences in in a musical environment than i have had in churches for sure oh yeah absolutely yeah you know when you see someone you know singing a song or see someone playing a guitar or even you know a guy behind a drum kit you know and you're there with thousands of people it's the greatest fear it's the greatest feeling in the world yeah, yeah. it really is uh, you know or or just some little singer songwriter busking on the corner absolutely sometimes, sometimes some of that shit just blows my mind i'm just like how how is this person not like yeah all over the place how come yeah not yeah yeah you know, the billions and billions and billions of people that have got the talent, right? They just need that break. Yeah. And I'm hoping, I'm really hoping in the future, maybe Simon's Universe of Music could just help that one person yeah. or a few people, right. you know? So that's the but, thing. If you were to hit enough up-and-comers, like yeah. as you your show, hit, hit enough yeah. up-and-comers, you know, it's just like the record companies. One or two of those folks are going to make it. Absolutely. Yeah. I believe in the power of where my channel can go and how far I want to push it. Gary, I honestly tell you this, man. If I can do this and it can give me a make make me a living, that is my dream. That yeah. is what I'm I'm working for every day. There's nights when obviously, you know, you should get some sleep, yeah? But my head is still ticking about how great I want to make Simon's Universal Music. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, though, that's the same here. I'm, I'm, I feel like, you know, I've been on a lot of roads in my life and I've had jobs that fit. Yeah. But this feels to me like the thing, like the yeah, same that I feel like I need to be doing. Um, I'm having a, a great time at it. Uh, it overwhelms me. It's frustrating. Yeah. Starting a new business or a new adventure is like having a baby. I don't know if you've had, yeah. but it's I the exhausting thing ever. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell Susanna that. <laughs> <laughs> they're wonderful. Yeah. And they, and they hang around forever. You know, once you had one they're they're going to be there pretty much hopefully till you're gone. Yeah. 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 And they're wonderful, but uh, they do exhaust you. I I got tired after they were born. Yeah, year pretty much made me terminally tired forever after that. I'm yeah. <laughs> well, I can honestly say to yeah right now, if me and Susanna have that, it will seriously be our greatest thing we've ever achieved in our lives because that's that's. Uh, that's what we really want. You do. You want to have some children? Yeah. yeah. Just a one or twins or triplets or something. It'd just be my luck to probably have triplets. <laughs> you little fuckers. <laughs> oh, I've, I've grown up. And yeah. Um, 
Well, I have friends who are triplets and their mom was yeah. absolutely insane. Poor woman. Yeah. Yeah, they just wore her out. Oh man, I, I'll tell you something. Me and Actually, Susanna, we went to uh we went to Barcelona. Was it last year or the year before? I can't remember. Anyway, was in the airport, yeah. This this geezer's probably about, you know, early fifties, yeah. Yeah. And he's got three triplets, right? And they're like, dad, 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 dad. And oh, I man. mean, this is probably about nine o'clock at night. He is on his ass because he can't handle it. And they're running right around him. No, oh, yeah. Just like you look, you feel sorry for the guy and you're just going, ha, 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 ha. oh, God. Oh, you know, you got your hands full there, man. Oh, yeah. Hey, Simon, let's, so, take, a, let's take a short break. Sure. And we are back. Um, hey, Simon, we were talking about building your channel and how it occupies your mind um, all the time. And I know yeah. what you're talking about because that occupies my mind all the time. One of the challenges I have is, is I need to write down all my processes because there's a lot of processes that are involved that I'm not, you know how like in the kitchen you have like, yeah. you, you just have your list. Yeah, you, yeah. You hit the list every morning, get your prep done. You're yeah. Ready, you're ready for dinner. If you're prepping during dinner, you screwed up. It's really important. Mm-hmm. So some of the things, some of the processes I need to write down is like, you know, some better processes for, um, or at least writing down what my process is for booking. Yeah. Booking's been really one of the hardest things. So if you decide you want to start doing interviews, you know, this is, this is a challenge. Um, Definitely. So there's the, first off, whenever you're going to book with somebody, you're probably going to have three to four to maybe five, maybe even 10 different contacts with that person trying, sure. to, trying to work out whether, first off, whether or not they want to do it. And second, yeah, off, yeah. if they do do it, then what? And then third off, when are we going to do it? And, yeah. you know, and then there's that back and forth. But yeah. the real challenge, the real challenge is the sources. So I'm sourcing contacts for booking on, the uh on on twitter yeah facebook through messenger yeah, yeah. i just signed up for whatsapp because apparently that's a way that people need to communicate sure uh, also on my text yeah uh, and through web or through yeah. uh email so yeah I, yeah all of these channels where communication's coming back and i got to keep checking in and seeing where it's coming from you definitely know. So I think one of the new processes I'm going to start doing is whenever I contact somebody, instantly give them my text message. So I have a single source. Yeah. And it's more trackable. Like Messenger, if somebody sends me a thing in Messenger and, you know, five other messages come in, that yeah. disappears. Yeah. Well, I can honestly say to you. I presume this, that um, everyone that I know and all my friends on like Facebook and everyone that I know on Facebook and that would want to listen to this, right? Yeah. And our conversation, especially for the bits where obviously, you know, when the camera's gone flying, we'll go down a track. Yeah, I love that. They're going <laughs> to 
going to bust your balls on that one. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I suppose with being the character that I am and having the friends I've got, would definitely, definitely, you know, love this, you know. And I think it's always great when, like, um, I'm not blowing my own, I mean, I've said, I know I say this, right, but I'm not blowing my own trumpet, yeah. But I just think, like, uh, yeah, people will want to listen to this because it's fun and it's entertaining, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, you can it just, with all the well, different conversations. Yeah, it's not Cobra Kai. Oh, yeah, that's entertaining. That is, and I really want to watch it. But um, I think it really makes a difference if, like, uh, if you know something's going to be funny, <laughs> you'll definitely want to know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's, I've always been funny my, my whole life, but if I try to do funny, I, I don't seem to be able to do it. Right. And I, yeah, so... Yeah, and I know it comes down to writing and writing, you know, one, two, three. Yeah, sure. And getting it down. But um, I've always just found that uh, in a situation, I can find humor in most things. Yeah. It was easier when I was younger and everything was an innuendo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. It still is for me. You said that. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Can't say any word without it like being something. Ah, oh, the good old days. Yeah, absolutely. But then we say that. I think with comedy, it was the good old days. Maybe that's maybe that's a thing just because of my age. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not going to beat around the bush when I say this. Like, I think for the comedy that has come before us, with the jokes, with the films, with the comedians with how television, theatre, and the movie business for humour has been really good in the past, right? You know? And there's something for me and my best friend, who my best friend lives in Indonesia now. He's lived out there for 12 years. Oh, boy. Yeah. Now, the thing about us two is... uh, he doesn't like football. He can't stand it, right? Or I'll say soccer. He, he cannot absolutely stand it. He loves music. He loves art. But he loves movies and television. Yeah. And huh? that's, why, that's why we're close. Yeah, yeah. But um, we love, love, love people like Rick Mail and Bottom and the Young Ones. Uh-huh. And... You know, we love South Park because we love all the stuff that it just is for what people say or how they act. And, you know, we love laughing our heads off. You know, we just love it. And you can't get better than that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that they do it in a week. Talk about... um... Yeah, like you know, you think about your your production schedule, or I'm thinking about mine, and then you think about those two guys. They have to one decide on what the co- what the current event is that they are going to pick. Yeah, and then yeah. they have to get at it. Like in two days, they have to kind of have the story together because yeah. three four days to get it 
you know, produced. They are absolute geniuses. And that program, I mean, I haven't watched it for a long time. And it's the sort of thing that I suppose you watch it off and on, right? Yeah. yeah. But when you watch it, you know how brilliant it is. And like when the movie came out, I swear to God, when I went there with my mates, <laughs> we never laughed so much ever, you know, amazing. Did Book of Mormon get over there? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my I think God. it's been in it's been on tour and it's definitely been in London in London on the West End for quite a while. Hey, Simon. Yeah. I'm gonna walk you outside a little bit so you can experience a little Oregon weather. Oh okay. Yeah, it's coming down pretty good right now. Ah, look at that. It's whipping Jesus down. Jesus Christ. My windmill or wind chimes. No way. Just blowing through, man. It looks absolutely Holy beautiful. Crap. My rain, my rain gutters are just dripping. Like Jesus. Look at that. Look at that. That's it's absolutely right out. Oh yeah. It's uh, a little crazy out there. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, everybody's like, oh, England's got the worst weather. Well, we're in Oregon. Oh, they all the say same, that. We have the same <laughs> weather. We have the same kind of kind of stuff, man. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna walk out back so we can take a look at the cool. See what the creek's doing. Um, I don't know if you're gonna be able to see it through here. Can't walk out too far, I'll get the computer wet, but yeah let's see down there nice uh, man it looks like you've got a really nice place yeah we're doing all we did all right uh long time ago when it was really cheap in oregon we got in on this house yeah uh, <coughs> then all the markets are pretty much flattened all across everywhere like you really can't move to a place unless it's really remote and get a good deal on a house anymore yeah sure oh so, yeah we moved here when this uh when oregon was um Oregon was pretty depressed. We moved here at the end of 80. So 19, right. 1990, we moved here. So I've been, yeah. here, been here 30 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and like our first house was uh, $65,000, which, right. I mean, that's like nothing. And that was, you know, that was 30 years ago. But um, yeah. And now this house, we got it for 160, which back then was a ton of money sure sure I sure don't know what we could sell it for now but i imagine yeah half a million but you know then you still have to spend half a million to go somewhere else well that's it so, i mean i don't think it's it all relative that's it i don't think um by the sound of it it doesn't sound too distant from what the house prices are like obviously in the uk to the are in right. the united states i mean I can only go by example of the house that my mum and dad live in because obviously I've lived in that house for pretty much 30 odd years, apart from when I moved out and got my own place. But uh, my mum and dad bought a four bedroom house in 1990, right? I think it was worth about 100 grand. Yeah. yeah? And that was a hell of a, believe me, my my mum was bringing up the three of us, me and my brother me, my brother, and my sister, right? My dad was the one going out to work. So, uh, and there was a lot of times, Gary, where like my dad, 
uh, was earning reasonably salaries, right? But yeah. staying, working away. So my mum was bringing us up like Monday to Friday. Obviously, we're going to school and that. Uh, and he's obviously, you know, paying the price. He's got a mortgage and three kids. Yeah. But uh, they've lived in the same house. And now it's probably worth about three hundred and fifty thousand. Right. So, but if they know, move anywhere else, it's still going to be three hundred fifty thousand to move there. Yeah, that's it. So they won't. The real value. Yeah, they won't. They'll be there until like you know whenever. So, but uh, my grandma, she lives down the road from my mum and dad now as well. She used to live in Norwich, uh-huh. right? Uh, and now she lives in Bromsgrove as well, just down the road from my, my mum and dad, and it's my mum's mum. So, which I can tell you something really interesting about my nan, right? Yeah. You'll love this. So, uh, my nan used to work in the theatre and television, yeah? Yeah. And when she was in London, uh, Anita Dobson who's married to Brian May, uh-huh. used to go to my nan's dance school. Yeah? Yeah. So when my nan was working for the BBC and Anita was just becoming like an actress, my nan said, oh, there's an audition coming up for uh, uh, Soap. You should audition for the part to become Angie in EastEnders, right? Yeah, yeah. So... She gets the part in EastEnders, and not only that, and then she goes on to marry Brian May. Yeah. Right? So... Brian uh, is one of the most fascinating people in rock and roll. Oh, my God, unbelievable. He's, he's, he's amazing. Yeah. He's an astrophysicist. Yes. That's crazy. Him yeah. and his dad designed that guitar, and there's never been a guitar that has ever sounded like that ever again absolutely uh, it's it's so, almost, it's almost like the, a bagpipe in a way that it resonates there's he's he's, he's got to be one of the one of the best guitarists in the world he's yeah. idolized by some of the greats like obviously you know your food fighters love him and like you know uh i mean queen are just obviously mega 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 band and he yeah. had a big part to play in that band yeah, and uh, we all know about the singer, but um, so the first gig I went to, Gary, was yeah. to see Brian was to see Brian May, right? Really, and not only was I at the gig, I obviously met him right backstage with my dad. It was just me and my dad that went. My nana set it up so obviously you know we could go and see him. Obviously with Anita, wow. nice hookup. Yeah, and I was like, I think I was like 17, nearly 10 and 18, I was like 17. And he was like, oh, you know, hi, how you doing? And you know, well, at that age, mate, I can assure you, I was like, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. You know, I'm sat with, obviously, Brian, yeah, I'm sat with Brian May and like, you know, what he's like, so what songs do you want me to play tonight? And I'm like, I, I don't fucking know. <laughs> just, I'm so, I can't even say anything to you because you're just like, you know, mega, mega rock star. Yeah. And it was just yeah. like, oh, well, we'll see you again soon. It was like, yeah, 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 yeah. So 
And then I watched this series like, I'm going to do my sound check now. Oh, okay. So it's just me and my dad sat in like Birmingham uh, NIO Arena. Yeah. And he's there with his band going, oh, so what do you think this? Oh, yeah. Uh, Hold on a second. Is that better? That's better. Yeah. Cool. Right. So (laughs) uh, we're sat sat in uh, Birmingham Arena. Yeah, just me and my dad. He's doing his sound check, right? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, he's like, right, I'm going to go and get ready now. So we came out, then we went in to watch the gig, and we're just like, we've just been sat in the arena when he's done his sound check, yeah, and now he's playing his song that yeah. he was sound checking. And it was just like, it was a bit surreal, to be honest, Yeah. you know? And it'd be 17. Yeah, I'm 17. Oh, my God. Yeah, that had to be amazing. So your nan has proper cred with you, man. Uh, do you know what? I can honestly tell you, I idolize my grandmother so much, right? Yeah. Because of the life she was living. I mean, she was a dan- uh, principal dancer of the World Ballet. Um, and during second, no, it's during 1940s. She was going yeah. home one night in London. Her train got bombed and there was like chemicals in the bomb that affected her eyesight. Oh, right. Yeah. So she oh, had to give up the dance and then she became choreographer. But uh, oh, that's like nice. Julie Garland, Danny Kay, a lot, Elizabeth Taylor, Lawrence Olivier, a lot of 1940s film stars, especially from the United States when they were going to England to work in the West End. Yeah. She she met a lot of them. And like a lot of old like actors through pantomime and this and the other. But um Anita has always stayed friends with my nan, right? And uh this even last year just gone before lockdown in February, Anita came up to see my nan and my mum. And took him out. Yeah. I was talking about the Oscars to my nan because when the film came out, right? Yeah. Uh, Anita was working on tour doing the show Annie. And when it was the Oscars, Brian organized a plane, right, to pick yeah. Anita up. She got dressed on the sort get sorted on the plane. Yeah. Went to the Oscars to be with Brian. Yeah. Uh, had the night at the Oscars and got the plane back and then went back to work here in England uh, on the theatre doing the show Annie. And it was just like, you know, for a little, my nan would say, like for a young actress, you know, that she's known all her pretty much working life to marry the rock star and to have a night at the Oscars, it's pretty surreal. That is pretty surreal. Yeah. And 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 they're just still friends. That's that's really cool. Yeah. My computer plugged in here. Hold on. That little walk I had to take you through the storm. I had to unplug. No worries. It doesn't want to go in. There you go. But um I uh, can honestly tell you that uh I actually love my nan, mate. You know, she she is pretty, pretty something. And I, 
she I believe that for doing my YouTube channel I take charisma from my grandmother you know yeah put on a show you want to put on an act you know you want to entertain your audience I believe that I've inherited that from from my from my nan yeah I I need to work on my entertainment level um I need to get some jokes I think yeah I don't think I've really got any jokes I just think it's just like uh it's the way that you I suppose it's just the way you say things or the way (laughs) that's the trick of it I think at some level I mean you know I could do the one-two punch setup but I'm not I'm not designed that way no Uh, it, it with dyslexia one of the things that you have is a challenge with sequencing Sure. Putting lists together is actually challenging for me. Yeah. And then following the list. Definitely. (laughs) I totally totally get it. And I mean, uh, from like when I put notes together on my channel, sometimes, you know, I've written all this stuff out and then like you're going through little bits of it, but then it's just like, oh, I'll just make it up as I go along. Yeah, yeah, you have to drop away from it. But I do find that uh, writing out helps me with my intentions and helps me stay on track. So I yeah. do practice writing um, pretty regularly because it's it's a tool that I find helps me align Yeah, not only my thoughts on a show, but just pretty much my thoughts or, or just my approach to life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know what? I think there's another thing with this, with doing my YouTube channel, is um, that it, it makes you think, why do we do these things? And it's for the memories, you know? Okay, yeah, you spent like 40-odd quid on, a, on, on, on a, a ticket, a piece of, you know, paper or whatever. Yeah. You know, and that 40 odd quid is giving you a night out where anything could happen. Yeah. And, but you expect to get through the end of the night walking away thinking, I love that. And it's memories. I think memories are, are going to keep my channel going until, until whenever, because all the memories that I've got are going to make the YouTube channel, you know, good, I would hope, because yeah, it, it goes to show it's just like, it doesn't matter how many beers you were having or what else you was doing along the way, right? If you can still remember the good times that you had with the special moments that you wanted on that particular night, then, you know, that's a real thing that's, that's special. And I think, that's what makes music for the band that you're going to see or the artist you're going to see and, and, and the fan as well, because does the music that you're seeing live, yeah, wherever it is in the world, want to give you that experience and them, them feelings where you want to remember something forever. Something so much different about live music. Um, I can't tell you what it is. Um, it's almost like live sports, I think because yeah. they're never the same as an album. No. Um, they're always something different and something 
typically grander. And, and sometimes, you know, not, I mean, sometimes it's just like, wow, what happened? You know? Yeah. Cause, cause they're people. Yeah. 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 And people can have a bad day. I mean, you can go to a show and be like, have seen, have even seen the same band and they've been like, wow, that's not the same band I saw before. And now it could be not the band. It could be the room. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I've seen some bands where it was just like, holy crap, that's the best ever. And then you see them in another room and the room just compresses their sound and sure. too echoey or whatever. You can't find any sound that feels like the band at all in the room. Yeah. You know, it's mixed wrong. Ah, yeah. It's crazy. It is. Ever, it really is. Have you I ever, think... have you ever, what, sat, yeah. Have you ever sat, sat down and written a chronology of like every show you've seen? Well, you know what? When I was doing doing this today and I was going through my notes, right? I've got a book with all my tickets in. Yeah. Okay. And I counted every single ticket that I've got. I know I've lost some along the way, sure. right? But with the ones that I've got, I counted 100 tickets, right? Yeah. Of the bands and the music I've seen live. Now... I saw Oasis nine times and I've seen Noel on his own 10 times, but also along the way, I've seen the Stones, the Rolling Stones. Nice. That's I, I've, I've seen the Sex Pistols when they were doing their warm-up gig before they'd done the Isle of Wight. Uh, I've seen The Who, I've seen Dylan, I've seen Ray Davies at the Kinks and... I've been to Reading Festival four times and I would say all the pretty much near enough. Well, Strokes, Kings of Leon, Yeah, Yes, uh, Jack White, uh, when he's done his solo, Dead Weather and the Raconteurs. So I've seen a lot of live music over a period of time. And I think if I've been to 100 gigs to see some of the best music in the world. And I've seen Guns N' Roses and Black Sabbath, you know. I've seen a lot, a lot of top acts in the world. And there's obviously, a, you, there's so many names to mention that I've seen, but I feel I have enough knowledge of seeing these bands of where each person in that band Mm -hmm. gives to the world of music I think I totally understand what they're doing and where they come from and what they mean to the world and the universe and to fans because that's all I am is a fan but if I was to become something more of a fan I believe I have the power of it myself to become a top journalist within the world of music where I want to talk to the best people in music in the world. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. So you're not going to get to top ones starting out, right? That's it. I've got to work. I'm like a musician, man. I've got to start at the bottom of my way. Yeah. <laughs> got to do, you got to do your gigs, but you know, yeah. I've got to prove bands, to people. All of those bands that, that you spoke of. All yeah. Of them, started just where where we are right now they started somewhere yeah 
you know, they started at the bottom and I was listening to, uh, what's the who Roger Daltrey on uh, Mark Maron's podcast. Right. Yeah. And he was talking about how, like after the war, there were no instruments. No. Everything, you know, a lot of things were blown up and, and yeah. And, you know, it wasn't a priority for people to have instruments. So they weren't around. Um, so they, he made his own. He made yeah. his own fake, like a little, little, little guitar thing. And it, it sounded really bad, but it worked. Yeah. And they just did jug band stuff, busking on the side of the street, you know, uh, uh, a, yeah. bucket, a bucket and you know, a bucket bass. You know, yeah. with, with a string and and, and yeah. on, a, on a guitar and and somebody playing spoons or whatever. I mean, it was really that organic. Um, Absolutely, out. yeah. It's pretty amazing how how far they went. You know, coming unbelievable from, coming from those those roots. You know, people yeah. forget that that generation of rockers were the children of the people who were fighting World War II. Yeah. And so they were growing up in a war-torn country. Absolutely. I think that's a major, major thing. Especially like uh, coming from a generation where my grandparents were in that period of time. Uh, my mum's parents got divorced, right? But they got remarried. But So to us, I had three grandmothers and three, three grandfathers right mm -hmm. uh so my mum's stepdad who was married to my nan on my mum's side he was in the army in bomb disposal during second world war my mum's dad he went into the navy and my dad's dad he was in the air force he he was a mechanic fixing the planes up ready when they were coming back he'd fix them up and then they'd go again yeah uh my mum my dad's uh mum she uh was on the buses doing being the ticket lady my nan my mum's mum she was a dancer and i'm not sure what my step nan really did but um my great uncle my nan's brother he was in the royal marines and he even was a prisoner of war in Germany, oh boy. and he escaped, and he got away. Because when they were they they were let out to go and try and find their own food, and when he was let out, he kept walking and walking, and wandered off, and, he, and then he was running, and he got away, and he found some. I think he found some American troops or something like that, but he got, you know, he got back to England and uh, he'd be like 96 this year. And he, he, he still got all his marbles and he, he's like, you know, plodding along everything. So he's fed up with lockdown the same as everybody else. But yeah, um, yeah pretty unbelievable that uh, that time period obviously from people having families and uh, stars that we talked about, like uh, your Roger Daltrey and your Pete Townsend. And uh, I suppose you like, you know, Mick and Keith and them kind of people. 
come from that time period, which is pretty pretty amazing. And like Ray Davis at the Kinks, I don't kind of think they, you know, they come from hard, you know, backgrounds. But for what they've created in the in the world is the thing I love the most. Yeah. Interesting times back then. It, it was. Uh, I'm looking at it in the context of now, and how small those universes were. Like, yeah, really, how overlapping they were. Yeah, and it's it. Like all of our music was coming from just a few sources. Yeah, know, through through these record labels. Absolutely, and so it was very. I don't know. It's like you were either massive or you were non-existent. There was no, yeah, niche niche markets out there. Yeah, <clears throat> and now you can discover a kind of music and go down a rabbit hole on just that type of music. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible how what you had to do then to what you have to do now and the cash the cash the money the money in the business mm -hmm. it's it's bizarre how people listen to their music now it's it's bizarre you know i uh, gary i was one of them people where i had to go to the shop and i had to get the item i had to get the cd you know I had I had to buy it and yeah they used to come out on a Monday and you I always made sure yeah I had to I, I you know sometimes you got two coming out the same day so you need your 20 quid yeah right? if they were 10 or each let's say right but uh it it's it's an addiction it, it really is yeah you know it, it does take up a lot of space imagine Moving north was like, well, we've got to too. Uh, it took about far, five car journeys backwards and forwards, oh, right, yeah. with all my clubber. And yeah. I'll take a picture and I'll send it to you of everything I've got just behind me. You'll love it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Grateful. When I look at it now, it's just like, it's all there. But it's just like you don't really listen to it because all you listen to now is I've seen the music on the phone. Yeah. With like Spotify and iTunes and yeah. Yeah. So easy. Crazy. The whole album. Yeah. That's it. Press a button. Ding. There you go. There you go. I got the whole album. I'm going to listen to it again. Yeah. Yeah. Instead so of like, you know, the CD's going to scratch and you take it out and then you've got to wipe it and it's just like, ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot less maintenance to it. Um, I do wish that, like, you know, when you used to spend 10 bucks, 10 quid, 10 quid yeah. on, on an album, yeah. you know, the musician got at least a buck out of that, right? Yeah. And now they might get a penny. Yeah. You know? They don't even get a yeah. penny for a listen. They get, I think they get a thousandth of a penny for a listen. Yeah. So, you know, if you have a friend, you have to put their stuff on repeat. Like yeah money. yeah yeah absolutely and 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 that that's a really sad thing because how how uh 
musicians and artists out there going to try and progress when they need money to go into a better recording studio or they want to buy a new guitar or something when they get the money uh, for that to happen. And then not only that, you know, to be able to afford to live, you know, in, in a, in a nice place and look after your family and so on. Uh, like the best tough. thing you can do it as a band now to get paid is to get, you know, get a commercial, get a sponsorship on commercials. Yeah. The music play on that. I mean, yeah, yeah, pretty- yeah. They, well, I, my idea is for when, uh, when the world gets back to something, I think what the music world needs to do and for bands and artists, yeah. In this time period, if people are making friends and liking each other's music, what they need to do is get together. And when they go on tour, you don't just have one band you have about five different bands, right? You know, and- All on one tour, yeah. When a record company or whoever's gonna say they're on tour, that's your headliner. But also you've got this band, that band and that band. So your audience is getting a variety of seeing lots of different music. And the way it's probably working is how I'm thinking if you've got different bands on one night, then people in the audience are going to go, well, I like that band. Yeah. So I'm a fan of theirs and I'm going to get, I want to buy their music. I want to go and see them next time they're playing live when it's their night, you know? Yeah. And that's why they have openers, you know, because openers are always the band that's being introduced to the world. Right. Yeah. And sometimes they play better than the other band, but. Hopefully not. (laughs) It sucks going and going, holy shit, that was amazing. And the band I came for was, they're okay. Yeah. But But then end up buying that other album. That's what, that's what happens. That's it. But then hopefully that band might be watching that band and think, oh shit, right. We, we we need, we need to get making new songs now. So the next time we're on the road, we're going to go, Fuck you, lot. We've got this. That's right. So, yeah. Well, it gives them more credit once, you know, I mean, there, there are clubs in Portland that'll do three to four bands a night. Yeah. And, you know, and that's just like people that's coming through um, and they'll do like little one hour sets, you know? Yeah. And, and that's nice. So you can get like a, a lot of variety. Yeah, what Portland is getting is the day before they play Seattle. So Portland will get really amazing shows on like a Wednesday or a Thursday. Yeah, because their actual gigs will be up in Seattle on a on a Friday or a Saturday. Right. Um, And it's far enough away that the in, in America, there's laws about venue sizes and sure what you can, you know, how close you can play one big venue to another big venue. Oh, right. Okay. Like you can't play 60 miles outside of, you know, here, if they've played in LA, they can't play in Palm Springs. So you, right. up, 
So, you, but, but it didn't reach all the way out to Coachella. Yeah. So that, that's why Coachella exists. No way. Yeah. It's outside the perimeter of playing in LA. So then they could get all the bands because they were having a problem with that. They wanted to do a festival that was close to LA, but not, it's got to be far enough away that they're not within that perimeter. And this, this is still exists now that role, them yeah. roles. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's done by the, I, I don't know. It's the booking companies. I, I think it might even be law. Um, right. but like, you know, if you're a big arena in Seattle, you don't want a big arena in Portland playing your, sh the same show. Right. Okay. So that's, that's the idea behind it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, There's a lot of weird music laws. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I, um, another thing for me is like uh, growing up all through my 20s, I was so lucky to be near a big city where it didn't take long to get there and it didn't take long to get home, you know? And it's the same living up, up here, really, up north. We're yeah. not far from um, obviously having arenas and uh, venues where, uh, you know, it's not going to take long to get there. It's not going to take long to get home. So well, how long does it take you to get to uh, where London? Oh, you're wow. talking about, well, the last time we went down, we drove down to my mum and dad's house, left the car there, right? Which takes about from me, mine and Susanna's place to get down to my mum and dad's is about four and a half hours, right? Yeah. So we stayed at my mum and dad's. We left the car there. We got the train down to London from my mum and dad's, well, Brumsgrove to Brumsgrove into Birmingham and then Birmingham down to London. That's like two and a half hours. So from up north down to London, you're probably looking about six, seven hours. That's crazy. Yeah, and of course, England's a very small island compared to the United States. Yeah. But, no, uh, how many actual miles is it? Like, if, if the crow were to fly from your house to London, how, how many miles? Oh, Jesus. Couple I'm going to have to Google it. I'm going to have to Google it. Was it like a couple hundred miles? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You're so talking you're about it could be talking about 400 plus oh yeah well it's yeah you're thinking in kilometers yeah it's 2.2 .2. so 400 plus kilometers yeah okay it's a long, it's a long way <laughs> yeah yeah well, that's about where seattle is for me right but i can get there in four hours yeah because all our because we have a highway that goes right and it's Two lanes. Yeah. Wide. England is just a bunch of small roads going everywhere, isn't it? Pretty much. I mean, we have our, mo our motorways are always really busy. I mean, there's all, 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 always too much traffic on the roads, you know? Yeah. I don't drive myself. Susanna does, right? But um, yeah, you just have to be so careful because. You know, hey, the fastest you can go is 70 miles an hour. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, but, just be uh, careful. But I, I've gotten to the point where I hate driving. Right. And I understand that.
I used to love it. You know, it was such a freeing thing. Like he'd get in your car and you just go somewhere and yeah, be anywhere. And now it's just like, it, it hurts my body. I don't like sitting in traffic. No. Yeah. My knees get tired pressing on the brake and the gas and the brake and the gas and the brake and the gas stop and go, stop and go. Drive yeah. So I'm yeah. glad I'm not commuting anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, well, whenever I've gone anywhere or ever I'm doing anything, obviously I've always been using public transport, which uh, I can imagine now is going to get quite expensive. So uh, when everything gets back and things start moving again, when uh, they need to make some money and they need to get the tax back, then uh, prices are going to go up. On, on public transportation. Yeah. Well, at least you, you all have a, a pretty good infrastructure of public transportation there. Um, yeah. Really up until Uber came along, it was, you, you pretty much had to have a car. In oh, a, that's it. Yeah, um, absolutely. If there was a taxi, like in a small town, most of them don't, wouldn't have one. And they, um, no. as far as like bus systems, the town has to have at least a hundred thousand people before it has even an idea of a bus system. Yeah. Um, we have a County bus that comes out here. Right. Uh, for, you know, old people to go to the, yeah, sure. Like that. But America's never been great at public transportation. Um, we're, we're more whites spread out. Yeah. And, I think our big boom happened kind of simultaneous with the car. Like yeah. we really didn't start hopping along as a society until probably the twenties, you know, everything yeah. was grinding at that point, but nothing was really moving. And the automobile was an integrated part of that, you know? Yeah, sure. And, you know, it's always been an integrated part of our society. I mean, you've got towns in England that were built around people walking and on bicycles and horses. So you're yeah, yeah. narrow, you know, the houses are really close. You can get a lot of, you can get it pretty far in town pretty quick because it's all right there. You're yeah. not walking across, you know, eight lanes of boulevard. No. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's, it's the structure of our society has been built around the car. Absolutely. Yeah. I can totally understand that because uh, obviously... I've not been, but obviously when you hear about, like, obviously when you know people that have been there and, like, on holiday or to visit, or even when you watch the television, you know, it's, um, you learn so much about people going to United States and from how big a town is, but how far you've got to go to the next one, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, it, no, there's, it, 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 it's a distance and uh, very rural, very rural. Yeah, from other towns. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it, it's so interesting. But yeah. um, I do believe there is a real thing between our two countries where, like, they're they're really close. They're, they're they more close have, than what you can imagine. I mean, except for, you know, our, our starting, our breakup. 
Yes. <laughs> but after the breakup, we've done pretty well. You know, we yeah, must, yeah, absolutely. Just can we just be friends? And then we're like, give us about half a century, maybe a century, and we'll get back on, on that. But, but yeah, Britain and America yeah. have always been pretty tight. And it's probably most associated with probably the language, I would think. Yes. Uh, and then and then World War II, I think, really kind of brought us together. Well, I, I, I've been told this, and I, I think I'm a young, well, I'll say young. I am still young, even though I'm 40 at the end of the month, right? Uh, I'm under no illusion of Second World War with the United States coming to help Britain against something that is evil, we needed the United States to survive. And if it wasn't for America, we would have been really in the mire, you know? We would have really been screwed. So thank God they did what they did because, um, you know, you can hold your hands up and, and admit it. And uh, thank God it happened. Uh, it, it's a real interest to me that time period because of obviously, like I said, with my grandparents, you know, living through that that time period. But uh, I totally understand with what was going on in that sort of time and and uh, how hard we were really hit. We were absolutely smashed to pieces. Everything was really you know, gone. Uh, you know, when I talked to my nan about, obviously, Second World War, Gary, I mean, she says, you know, Churchill really did keep it together and he was not going to let the public, the general public, know that we were on our ass. You know, he was like, we're going to, we're going to win, right? We're going to win. But believe me, we're in it. And they came. My nan talks about the Blitz. And she says, like, believe me, that was something. You know, you can't imagine something like that happening oh, today. Can't. You no, just I can't. thought about it. And it's just like, it, it's just overwhelming to think that, like, if your whole sky was filled up with bombers. Yeah, yeah. Bombs going on all around you, and you don't know whether one's going to hit you or not. That has to yeah. be the most frightening thing ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's so, there, you know, we're at a time where obviously, you know, we can have a conversation about this and and know what that, that was like. But, um, you know, there's a generation out there where... I can honestly say I don't think people really know or or really care about that time period, and I think that's that's quite sad, really. Yeah. Because people went through hell. Well, you know what was interesting about that generation, though, is they didn't talk. No. No, it was horrible. No. They're like, let's let's move the fuck on. We're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're done with this. Let's go. Yeah. Built, you know. Yeah. And and we were real smart about the way we helped rebuild after the war too. I think that is what brought about the most prosperity that, that 
that we could have had, um, you know, that rebuilding of Germany and Japan. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Mar that the Marshall Plan that was unheard of. Yeah. Go in and, and kind of restructure your your enemies. Yeah. I mean, uh, my my uncle turned around to me a few years ago uh, and said, like, when you look at Japan and you look at Germany now, two of the countries in the world that have moved forward and probably two of the best countries in the world, right. you know, the intelligence, the technology, the people, the standard of living, you know what? They have totally moved forward in, in an incredible generation where, you know what? Yeah, that happened. But look at us now, because that's yeah. been and gone. You know what? And they're miles above us, you know? Yeah. yeah they... in, in some ways, uh, they're, they're so far ahead with the standards of living. It's, uh, hey, you can't, you know, no, we can't deny it. It's just, it's, it's pretty unbelievable how... Uh, think some people look at the past too much and don't look forward but who am i to say you know mm -hmm. it's um it's tricky but uh yeah thank god that hopefully touchwood in our lifetime a war yeah. or something like that won't happen yeah i'm i'm actually kind of a little concerned about a, a civil war here right in America, um, and it seems as if there are. Oh, I know there are people who really want to do that. They they really want sure. to be violent, and and that's that's just sad. It it doesn't yeah. produce any value. No, and I don't know what's going on with with society. I guess the biggest loss that we have in society right now is the loss of 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 truth like our ability to find sources that feel unbiased that feel like yeah, yeah. this is the information about the situation that we could yeah. get and it, without opinion i don't need yeah. it you know i don't need your opinion i just need to know what happened yeah but everybody's coming at everything well it happened and this there's always an and this you know thing. yeah 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 like tell me what happened i don't want to know anything else i don't know what happened i want to know how you feel about it i don't want to know how you want me to feel about it yeah yeah through our friendship i can honestly say to you right now i always want to be uh honest and tell you my opinions on everything because these specific subjects I absolutely love, you know, I think it's really brilliant to talk about the way that our countries are going because uh, it really is an amazing thing. I mean, we can switch on the news at six o'clock at night, right? Mm -hmm. And what if there's something going on, you know, you might get a reporter talk to two or three different people and everyone's got something different to say. Mm -hmm. But, and then you'll move on to the next article of something going on in the world. Right. But um, obviously there's always something happening in America. <clears throat> Britain's always going to know about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's vice versa where you are, you know? 
Yeah, uh, we get a lot of news now about Britain just because of Brexit and all of that stuff. You know. Yeah. And Boris, he's a character. He's a lot like Trump in that he's. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of you the know? kind of infamous types that that people like to. Yeah, it is. They're just curious about it. Like, what? What the hell? What kind of train wreck? I mean, today? you know, how 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 uh, how bananas is it that you can have a, a thing going on like this in the world at right at this specific time, and you've got a prime minister called Boris Johnson who, uh, when it comes down to using a hairbrush, we don't know how he how he uses it, and you know. Yeah, and then obviously there's just been a president in the United States of America. He's been one of the richest businessmen, you know, on, on the planet. Uh, you know, running a running a country. It's had a lot of uh, opinions and plans. You know, and yeah, I failed to see any real plans. I never really saw plans. They talked about plans. No, I don't think he. From, an, from, from, from someone sitting in the north of England, knowing all about what this man was going to do, right? Yeah. Did he actually go through and 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 do the things that he said he was going to do? Well, he couldn't because the liberal media and them libtards got in his way. Yeah. <laughs> so we do have a checks and balances here. Um you know, the House and the Senate. So losing yeah. House in, two years in yeah. affected his ability to do much of anything. Um, mm. Plus, I, I, I don't know that he had intentions of doing anything real. Right. Like there was no real creation of anything. There was a lot of destruction of agencies. Yeah. And um, so I think he was more in, into uh, destruction. His yeah, guy, his guy uh, that just got arrested off a, on a yacht. What's that guy's name? That was his chief of staff. Oh, sh- sh- I can't think of it. So anyway, that guy, he said he, you know, he he's a Machiavellian. And yeah, and that he was the guy leading the Trump reality, I think. And right. And pushing Breitbart and all of that. Yeah. So Machiavellian, you know, they, they did. They came in wanting to tear it all down. Just to yeah, tear it up. And there's a lot of people who believe that that's exactly what needed to happen. Yeah, you know. Um, the things he was going after are things that I I care about. Um, you know, yeah, EPA, um, federal parks, and things like that. But um, overall, I think other than the destruction of the respect for the office of presidency sure there was not a whole lot of harm no and that's a pretty good thing i mean when uh when obama was in power he made america look rosy he did but there are some dark sides there too i mean there's never i've never been completely happy with with the decisions of of the country Right. For that matter. Um, Yeah. Obama's thing that really kind of bugged the crap out of me was the escalation of drone warfare. Right. I mean, at some level, it is the most logical approach. Just yeah, bad guys. Don't 
target like the blitzkrieg sure a whole city full of innocent people yeah um but this whole remote killing thing is is creepy yeah it's really creepy yeah in fact you can you know put armament on a drone and meet somebody wherever they are yeah yeah um, yeah place it's pretty freaky yeah i think there's always someone around the corner as in like uh leaders in other countries that are always out to cause the mischief and i think them days are still always there to think like you know someone's going to be next to try and cause something yeah so the the idea behind globalism is that if we're all trading with each other we won't kill each other yeah and that's that's a pretty high ideal yeah uh, and there there is some merit to that yeah uh, however there's still going to be the feeling of they got more cake everybody yeah, yeah. there's everybody's still going to have that that thing so they we're still dealing with a human situation of desire and need um but it is more difficult to you know if you've got it like china and america we have an economic connection now that's undeniable yeah china's strong them. china's strong country yeah if we bomb, definitely... them, we bomb ourselves in a sense because yeah. everything's going up in price and and, yeah. and uh, they have all the manufacturing now, so they'd be able to tool up in a in a in a hardcore situation much faster than we would. Yeah. Yeah. Do re- a, yeah. There's... So the first thing is to not have a warlike mentality. No. And well, and I think it was last year sometime that on Channel Four they done documentaries on Russia and Putin, and uh, yeah, <laughs> frightening. Yeah, well, that's, you know, in, in terms of philosophy, Cobra Khan. Yeah. Cobra Kai. Um, <clears throat> it really is dealing with that whole concept of what is defense? What is yeah. might makes right? You know, yeah. uh, at what point do you, do you recognize humanity as opposed to the win over everything? Yeah. Yeah, no mercy. Definitely. Yeah, and and it 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 really I think is striking at a lot of ideals. Yes, and 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 that's what I really enjoy about Cobra Kai. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel so stupid saying that I just love this, and the karate scenes—they're so kitschy, so fun, but just you know, it's it's like the wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You got to know at what point they're playing up the game. They're playing yeah. up the show. I'll give you one example, right, of the time of the world, right, and when I can watch this, yeah? So, yeah. at the minute, I pay for Sky TV, okay, because I love my football, yeah. right? I've got Disney Plus, Yeah. right? Uh... And I can't wait for all the Marvel new series and that to all come and obviously all the Star Wars stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I've got the WWE network, right? Now, 
when you think about what you're watching, it all adds up, okay? Yeah, it does. So, obviously, Cobra Kai is on Netflix. Now, I could get Netflix. Of course I could. But that's another five quid, let's say, right? I'm already paying nearly 100 for watching the, the other the other TV products that I'm watching. Right. When I'm not furloughed, right, and not getting small pay, when I'm working again, earning okay cash, yeah. then I should get Netflix, then I should watch Cobra Kai. There you go. So yep. hopefully when everyone's got the vaccine and we can all go out happy as Larry and, you know, earn the money, do the hours and that, then I'll be watching Cobra Kai. It'll probably be on his eighth series by then, and I'll have loads of watching to do. There you go, but, yeah. Hey, tip your camera back up. gives me something up. to look forward to. Hey, tip your camera back up. Okay. Was it just slide down? Was that what's going on? Yeah, it sounded like a little... Little thing. like... Just kind of going down. Yeah, yeah when you've had like, too much... When you've had too much beer, you know what it, what it does. That's what the yeah, camera's was, doing. Yeah. 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 You give your camera some <laughs> cocaine, did you? <laughs> It's all up to droop. <laughs> Can't get up. Story oh, of my life. <laughs> oh, yeah, we don't want to hear about that. No. No. Ah. <laughs> I thought you were just getting taller, like, you know, all through the show. It's like, oh, he's still growing. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I like your little background there. Is that from a concert? Don't oh. what, Sammy? Your background, I like the background. Oh, yeah, Susanna. Susanna sorted it out. Got a little background, and it's obviously my little logo, Simon's Universal Music. And you got so, people rocking out in the front. Yeah, rocking, man. Rocking hard. That's you know, it. What I find amazing about all this stuff you post, it's obvious that like Oasis is probably your favorite band of all time. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I see you throw out stuff like Three Dog Night. It's a new discovery of yours, and you're like, does anybody know about these guys? And and, and yeah, they're, and they're excellent. You know, they're really a yeah. good band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two albums. That's it. I mean, um, from when I started, Gary, in May, right? Uh, and I had the idea to put this together. Yeah. For the first band I did was Cooler Shaker, which were, I think are a great '90s band. They had some great songs and. Obviously, I've only seen them live once, but they they were they still are a mega mega band, right? So mm-hmm. that was my first video, and that was good, and you had lots of good comment. My second video was the yeah yeah yes, the yeah from yeah New York, from New York City, mm-hmm. where I talk about Karen O being a great front woman and stylish and having great voice and a style and the image of that band and how great they sound. Yeah. Right. Uh, I talked about Paul Weller's new album on sunset, which uh, got released last year, which is a great sounding record. And for someone that's been around for as long as I've been alive, still creating great music now and, and will do to the end. Yeah. Uh, who else? Uh, the really interesting one, right, Gary, is obviously the Tarantino soundtracks, right? 
Now, yeah, that man, I really idolise that man. I yeah. think he's he's genius. He is very gifted and really clever, proud of where he comes from, but where he takes his attention to detail into his movies is colossal, especially with the actors that he uses, but yeah. with the soundtracks that he puts together and the music that he uses in his products of his films. Yeah. It's, it's amazing, mate. You, you know, it's amazing. Well, he creates a cultural experience and he's not afraid to pay for music in his films. No. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of movies could do better to to pay for a good soundtrack for certain things. And yeah, and they don't because it is really expensive. It is. And here's something that I never put into. I think here's a subject that I did when I done my research doing Tarantino. Right. For the money he had. You know the song stuck in the middle with you. I'm sure it's stuck in the middle with you. Yeah. yeah. Right. He had thirteen thousand pounds for his soundtrack. Yeah. In yeah. fact, this is true. He had thirteen thousand pounds to make his soundtrack. Right. But he wanted that specific song for that specific scene. Yeah. Okay. He paid the whole thirteen thousand pounds for that one song yeah. in that movie. And that for his first movie of Reservoir Dogs, uh, oh, mate, unbelievable. I, I love everything that he's done. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Leonardo, Brad, Christopher Waltz, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, Kill Bills. So when I was putting my Tarantino episodes together, Believe me, I filmed about three, four hours on that, right? And obviously, we, when we was doing all our editing, Susanna had to cut it right down because when we put the music on our videos, you'll be so surprised of the copyright and how much you can have, yeah, to put yeah, on. Yeah, much, right? Yeah. So... It, this is, I mean, this is another thing, like, obviously, with making the videos and using snippets of music, we have to be so careful. And fair play to Susanna for the work that she puts in. And I, I'll, you know, I'll say it again. You know, Muggins here can sit in the chair and talk his nuts off, obviously, saying how great Quinton is, Liam, you know, uh, all these bands, but... Um, which I love doing, but Susanna deserves just as much credit yeah. as as myself because, uh, yeah, I love her so much. She's good. Well, it sounds like you guys are a great team. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think you, people learn a lot in life from where they've been and where they want to go uh, and for mistakes that people have made. But you get to a stage where you have to realize what you've got. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I just uh, got a news from the New York Times that Boris Johnson has shut down all the schools in England. Yeah. Yeah. It just happened, huh? Yeah. That's the time. Eight o'clock. Yeah. He would be on. 
Yeah, they, uh, down. Uh, schools have been shut down here since, well, they're going to be shut down for the rest of the year. That's already right. decided in Oregon. Um, yeah. That's been very difficult. My daughter is, is teaching my, my granddaughter. Yeah. You know, from home and they're actually, it looks like it's actually working out pretty well. Uh, luckily right. my, my granddaughter is the type of kid who can learn online pretty well. Right. So she's doing pretty well in coding. Yeah. Um, Spanish. She really likes Spanish. Right. That's good. Yeah. And so, you know, it's been difficult though. You know, the, the all these parents are having to teach their kids from home. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the same across the pond. Uh, when you talk to families and that, and for the situations that they've got, you know, with having young families and young people, and then you don't have that, that thing, it, re it really does cause, you know, major problems. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, hopefully everything will get sorted. Yeah. So, um, should we wrap this up now? I was thinking it was good to be about that time. We've done two hours. I've had, yes. a, I've just had a great time with you. Um, yes. I'll be uh, putting this together over the next few days and I'll send you the link. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Um, if you could, uh, like email me, did I give you my email? I'll give you my email. Uh, yeah. And, uh, just email me, um, some pictures, some artwork that you'd like to use maybe for the cover of the show or something like that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So a hard part for me is always writing the copy. Sure. So I, you know, I have a long conversation. We talked about literally everything. And that's yes. kind of how it goes. <laughs> so it's hard to kind of do a good synopsis and, and, and I'm trying to figure out how to do it in a way that intrigues people. So um, yeah, that's a part that once I, once I'm done with this show today, um, I will probably walk around the house and try to figure out how I want to write it. And, and that'll frustrate me for the next day or two. Like sure. Like this. Sure. Uh, writing seems to be a big challenge for me um, at some level. Yeah. And, and it used to not be, I used to be okay at it. And maybe I never was, but maybe I thought I was, but now that I'm really looking at it, you know, I'm going, ah, geez, I gotta rewrite that. That doesn't look right. And uh, so I kind of keep doing it over and over and over. And then it's like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. And it's never good anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna keep working on it, uh, it'll get yeah. better. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, today's my today my guest was Simon Turner uh, from Simon's Universal Music. Look him up on YouTube and follow him. Uh, he'll be expanding his Universal Music one musician at a time, or maybe a thousand. Who knows? Maybe he'll get ten thousand maniacs to follow him. And uh, so you're going to learn a little bit about music. He's definitely excited about it and uh, has has uh, a lot of experience with it. It's been his university. And now he's putting his, his university investment in records and concerts uh, into his passion and creating a world for him, for uh, all of us to enjoy. So uh, you know the deal on Garland Pepper. You can support the podcast by uh, donating uh, monthly, apparently. That's how it's done. It's uh, through the support button if you feel inclined to do so and are so rich right now that you just really want to give somebody extra money. Um, also you can follow me on YouTube, Garland Pepper, and you can follow me on Anchor and Spotify and 
Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Uh, pretty I think much, so. yeah, yeah, like all kinds of. And then there's a whole bunch of other podcast stuff. I just got onto Stitcher. Uh, so there's all kinds of different ways of listening to Garland Pepper out there. And uh, thank you for enjoying the experience. And if you enjoy it, share it with your friends. Tell your friends about the show and say, hey, this guy's interesting. Or, yeah, I watched it. It was okay. <laughs> Whatever. You know, have fun. I'm having a fun time. So uh, maybe someday this will take off and we'll all be shining together. Simon, Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Do you have any one last word you want to tell the universe? Uh, yeah, subscribe. Everyone subscribe and keep watching. And, uh, you know, things really get better. If you keep watching, the more people that watch, the better than the channel can get. So, you know, we'll get there. And uh, everything will be pretty good in, in the universe, let's hope. All right, y'all. Subscribe up to Simon's universe and we're going to make this whole universe a better place. Garden Pepper signing out. <laughs>